This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Hey, welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks, as always, for sticking me in your ear. And if you'd like to get deeper into Strange Planet, please consider becoming a premium subscriber. It's real easy. Just click on the link in the episode description, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. There are three monthly tiers or programs to choose from. Choose the one that's right for you. Basically, you gain access to commercial-free listening. You receive bonus episodes. Um, you get um, a subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, discounts on Strange Planet merchandise, and much more. Strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. Just click on the link. What if m- much or even most of what we think we know about U.S. history or North American history, certainly pre-Columbus history, is wrong. I think many of us suspect that, and we've uh, dedicated a number of programs uh, to that very notion on this podcast over the years. But what if we could utilize AI, artificial intelligence, to help investigate some of these historical mysteries? Well, that is, in fact, the uh, the subject of a... Uh, a new book that's in the works right now. And the uh, the two principals involved in this project are with me. David Edward has been with us several times. He served as a special agent in the U.S. Army in the 1980s and 90s and is a veteran of multiple, multiple overseas uh, combat tours. He was the special agent in charge of the 1990 Panama Canal Counterterrorism Threat Assessment Report to the U.S. Congress. He's a United States Army Intel school graduate where he studied advanced human intelligence and battlefield counterintelligence, also completing training at the Jungle Operations Training Center in Panama, Central America. He holds advanced degrees in engineering, including a doctorate in engineering, three related master of science degrees, an undergraduate degree in business. He's currently the director at the Institute for Advanced Christian Research and is the author of over 50 books. His best-selling thriller, Panama Red, has sold over a quarter million copies and is based on true events, chronicling U.S. military activities during Noriega's 1980s dictatorship and exposes the early stages of the child trafficking crisis we face today. David Edward, welcome. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Richard. Uh, all, you know, you, when you read that, it just reminds me how old I am. <laughs> I need a whole show to uh, <laughs> to uh, list your accolades. Uh, John Levy um, has, uh, well, with a blend that's uh, part rich coffee beans, part fiery passion, and part entrepreneurial grind, 
I love the coffee metaphors. John Levy has brewed success for over two decades in the coffee business, but John's flavor palette extends beyond just coffee. He's chosen the adventurous path of setting up home on a vast 20-acre plot near Utah's mysterious Skinwalker Ranch, proving his mettle and penchant for unique off-grid experiences. In contrast, digitally, he's a force to be reckoned with. Through his At John Levy Channel YouTube channel, John delves into the overlooked and mysterious corners of history. With a dedicated audience of nearly 300,000 subscribers, John's continually shaking up perceptions and helping us separate fact from fiction. His meticulous research doesn't just ch uh, challenge the status quo, it filters out the myths, leaving behind the rich aroma of historical truth. John Levy, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having us. All right. So let's um, let's get um, just kind of an overview here of how artificial intelligence could be used to investigate, let's call them historical anomalies. Yeah, I'm going to let John introduce it. But just to kick it off, I'll give just a quick background. John has been in, has been researching this stuff for five years, uh, a very long time. He's compiled hundreds of hours of, uh, of, of video um, evidence and, and research. And he and I connected and I started pulling some of that research and plugging it into the different AI algorithms and stuff. Cause one of the things I mean, I'm, I'm pretty into AI at this point, I'm, I'm uh, programmatically into it. And it started spitting back all kinds of cool things that, that we'll talk about, but John, do you want to kind of lay the foundation? Yeah, I think that was a good kind of introduction to it. Um, what I've been doing is just looking into history and simply what history tells us about everything, every aspect of of our country and, and how the buildings were built. And I started to find anomalies and a kind of repeated theme. A lot of buildings were built in, in the 1800s in one year. And when you look at these buildings you realize we couldn't build that today, you know, let alone in the 1800s in one year with horse and buggy pre power tools. And it just opened up a can of worms and, and sent me down a rabbit hole for over five years now where history doesn't seem to make sense. And so you, I just plug away week John, after you, week. Yes. Sorry, I, I wonder if you could give me an example, because that is so uh, what you were just describing there about these buildings, uh, these magnificent edifices, uh, you know, prior to the brutalist architecture uh, school of architecture was just a, a blight on humanity. Um, I think there's an example. There's a beautiful there was a beautiful federal building in Chicago and the dome uh, is actually bigger than the U.S. Capitol building. Uh, and, and it was built. um fairly quickly and then like within a couple decades they just they tore it down inexplicably um is that the kind of thing you're talking about that's exactly the kind of thing and it's one after another one after another and everybody has one of these buildings that they remember from their past a beautiful over-the-top building that gave you a feeling that the cathedrals give you i mean they're so massive with their marble and their their steps and and their Corinthian columns resembling European architecture in, in many cases. And then when they get torn down, it, it breaks our hearts. And everybody has an example of that. Everybody's seen that. Um, and that's what I do week after week. I We look at different examples. And it's very heartbreaking when they tore them down. But many of them still exist, including our very capital. I mean, our capital wasn't built in one year necessarily but the nation's capital was built in 1793 to 1800 so that's seven years um in 1793 i mean we have to think about the means available well that's what david has done is he's actually getting the information of what it would take Things that we couldn't really completely calculate and and have the AI make sense of it. And it's it was my suspicion that this would all be impossible. You know, even as a builder myself, 
um, viewers of the channel, uh, leaving comments and emails there in the building industry. It's logistically impossible um, in these time frames. Perhaps in the time that we're living even now, uh, Notre Dame, the cathedral in Paris, it's going to take 20 years just to rebuild the roof. And yet we have examples of cathedrals um, that have been built in one year uh, with the same intricacy as the European cathedrals. So this is so, how, sorry, this is where the artificial intelligence or the algorithms come in. You're doing what, David? Cal making calculations or using AI to make calculations for you to determine what uh, some of these grandiose edifices would have required in terms of manpower and, and materials and hours? Yeah, so what we're doing, there's this guy named Morton J. Adler, who is uh, was a philosopher and educator from the 1940s. He created the um, uh, the the world's list of great books or something like that, and, and he indexed it. He created something called the Syntopicon, and when he did that, he created a methodology called syntopical analysis. So this is basically looking broadly, and he 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 outlines it. And there's different layers to it, but it's it's looking broadly across. Um, documents, assets, maps, uh, literature, books, all of that, identifying themes, uh, translating those themes into ideas, and then indexing those ideas against each other. So you can see where Plato and Kant and Aristotle and Thomas Jefferson, say, are all talking to each other and having that conversation. So we took we took that framework basically as a matrix and then we're dumping in these stories uh, and and we'll call them let's call them narratives because that's what that's what we call. Them. So uh, for example, um, one of the, the buildings we're starting with is Fort Point in San Francisco, which is a uh, star fort that was built before the the Civil War. And we're starting to say, okay, let's look at the the narrative of that construction and let's compare that narrative to other buildings that, that we get in that same time period. And we hand all those into the AI and then ask it questions. So one of the questions I ask is, um, based on all of these definitions, uh, is there a template or was there is there some structure to the history? And and, and I mean, yeah. It, and what came back was it actually produced, which we're, we're putting in the book, it produced the template, the narrative template that all of these histories are based upon. And, and there's, it's like a formula, like, like, you know, like when you're a little kid and you got the old purple steno and you had to, um, you know, do your work on it or you do the Mad Libs, right, where, where it's already written and you, and you put the words in. So it's the same kind of thing that, you know, the, the timing, the architect, the materials, all of that stuff turns out is a template pattern that is stamped all over North America. Now, we started with North America because it's the simplest history to unravel. If we were to try and go to the Parthenon in Greece and claim that that was built, you know, whatever, it's just, there's, there's so many layers to that. Right. It, civilization it's, it's and civiliz uh, on top of civilization, North American's history is, well, is only several hundred years old. So it's pretty yeah. clean, pretty simple. It's cleaner. It's think. cleaner. And, and we also, yeah. And we started looking at the West Coast because that's even cleaner. Um, and we forget, you know, we romanticize so many things, but, but, but John, you know, John, the house he's sitting in, he built himself. Um, and I owned a construction company for like six years. I was just telling him I, I dug more footers than I think anyone on the planet over that period. So you got to have that practical experience to understand what construction really is. Because a lot of us, we're, we're sitting in our chair in our air conditioning, drinking our Diet Coke like I am right now. And we think, oh, yeah, uh, 200 people in 650 bricks for 11 years, piece of cake. They can do that. It's like, tr try it. Try it for three days, you know, that that kind of thing. So, so the AI identified that, and it also identified patterns that I wouldn't have picked up on. Like San Francisco, for example, it turns out in the historical narrative of many of the buildings built in the 1850s, early 1850s, so 1853 to 1856, part of these buildings, and there's more than 50 of them, part of their narrative is that the granite was imported from China. Okay. Okay. Yeah for a couple of things, why is that important? Why on, of all the things you're going to tell us in the two paragraphs about the building, why is that one that keeps repeating itself everywhere? And then what we did and, and we used the AI and we said, okay, let's look at the volume of the buildings, the timings, the sourcing. Let's look at what we know about the Pacific trade routes, about the materials um, and the logistics of bartering with China to get the, the granite. I think and John, if you remember, it was something like just in this one, um, four point it's something like 27 million 
cubic pounds of uh, or cubic uh yeah pounds 27 million pounds of granite which is 13 over 13 tons of granite it suppo was supposedly sourced from china in a year to lay the foundation for fort point well okay then we went back and we said okay well what ships would they have put it on and they, and and there's this thing called barks that are three mass ships would be, which would have been the standard cargo transport well how much can they carry about 500 tons okay but they don't load them to capacity and we do all that math and it's like okay so it would have taken 35 ships loaded to you know loaded 80 percent with granite to get the foundation for four point who is competing with with 49 other buildings for granite and and that kind of stuff is what we're unraveling and what happens is uh john has identified the contradiction right or the 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 weirdness and what we're finding is that it doesn't even survive the simplest the simplest scrutiny and it all falls apart and and we're actually being able to trace deep into why it falls apart and that's part of what we're showing um in north america anyway so um well let, let's let's continue on with some some other examples because this is fascinating um uh i mentioned that chicago federal building uh chicago had a world's fair i think you may have talked about this on your your uh, youtube channel uh, John, Chicago had a yeah. world fair and they had all of these amazing buildings that they put up, what, over the course of two years? Yeah, and, and even less. Yeah, a little less than two years. They built over 100 buildings. And they're beautiful. I mean, they're beautiful. And we are told that they're temporary. And so that's a great example. I mean, bu building it or you know, are you really building a hundred buildings in this time period? You know, nowadays we might use tents or we could imagine tents, you know, for, for a carnival or a circus or, I mean, that was, that was essentially what this event was all about. I mean, do we do that today? Would we build an entire city with a lakefront, with fountains, how can those things even be temporary really i mean you have stone up against a lake you know up against a building and in my opinion there anyone who looks at those pictures w should understand that you can't erect you know 100 foot buildings for example that are temporary and the federal building well, yeah. is a beautiful example i i absolutely love that building and it just makes no sense in this time period. All these buildings, uh, Penn Station is a great example. Uh, Penn Station, how the community was outraged when they when they tore it down. Um, it doesn't really make sense. It it begs to ask the questions. You know, I mean, why are in this early time period when resources should be so valuable, and it should be more difficult than today? To, to build these structures, why are we just tearing them down? Right. Even well, in San Francisco, um, you know, they had a, a great fire, we're told, mm -hmm. but they also, after the fire, they demolished, they just started demolishing buildings. And even during the fire, they tell us during the fire, they were demolishing with dynamite buildings preemptively so that the fire wouldn't spread. So it, it, it just... It, it seems unusual to 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 have such ease of of building in short time periods demolishing and then building again and that's how our history looks it's almost like they had the magical wand and money was no object and labor was no object and and materials were no object right well granted labor costs were pretty inexpensive back then but that doesn't account for you know not having cranes and exactly mm-hmm well, and you have to have the you have to have the people too. But I, you know, John, I, John, I haven't even talked about this. Last night, what I was doing is I was going through the Chicago World's Fair, um, Richard, that you mentioned, and also through the uh, San Francisco World's Fair. And one of the nice things that AI can do is that you can load up an image and it can identify cloning, and we, meaning where little pieces of the image are reused, usually to hide stuff. It can also look at the way the file is compressed, and it can uh, identify layers. So uh, if a photo is faked, you know, if you if you if you uh, copy and paste a, a, a crowd of people in front of a building, it can identify the different uh, the JPEG compression levels. And you can so you can see the pieces. And, and I was actually doing that with the Chicago World's Fair last night. And what's interesting is 
uh, I forget, it, was one, it wasn't the Philadelphia Library. One of the libraries had a had a, a repository of pictures. And I was going through them. Every picture that shows the big central water canal with that big gold statue in it, yes. every single one of those comes up as uh, manipulated. Uh, and it's usually the gold statue. And the other thing, on almost every picture of San Francisco uh, in the 1800s or of the San Francisco World Fair or of the Chicago World's Fair, and those are the ones I've done so far, Almost every one of those pictures, the tops of the buildings, the flagpoles, um, are all digitally manipulated for for some reason. What are your source images? What are your source images from the like the Chicago Tribune or what, if it was around in eighteen ninety three or? What? No, they have what they have um, is uh, a lot of libraries, especially local libraries like San Francisco has. Um, I'm going to get the name. Wrong. It's like it's like the something San Francisco Historic Library okay. of. Francisco, yeah, you know, the digital like archives. And that's another thing yeah. is it's actually very difficult to obtain a lot of these photos. When we really want to get serious, we have to go to all these obscure little places and little uh, separate libraries that hold these digital collections. And so it's... I never heard about the World's Fair, really. I, I never learned anything about that in school. And, and it's really interesting. All of this... Uh, all of this architecture and history is really, really interesting. It's some of the most interesting history that I found. And yet it's stuff that I never learned about. Um, and, and people are actually very interested to learn about it. So what is, the, what is the point then of, I'll tell you what, we'll take a time out. We'll come back and um, we'll get into, you know, why, why these images are being manipulated uh, why the AI algorithms, it doesn't add up, you know, in terms of the material and, and how these amazing structures could have been built in such a short amount of time. What is this all leading us to? Back with uh, more of my conversation with John Levy and David Edward right here on Strange Planet. Don't go away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. We are back with David Edward and John Levy, and they're working on a new book examining or investigating historical uh, mysteries using artificial intelligence. And uh, the new book is Evidence of the Old World. Is that the, uh, the working title? Yes, that is a working title. Okay, and you sort of described it as what? Fingerprints of the gods, 
maybe with the lens turned to modern day uh, or let's say well, 19th, 20th well, we're century America? It, yeah, yeah. And and uh, that was just for you. I'm not uh, claiming that I am a writer of that caliber. Uh, but that's generally the um, the idea is, yeah, we're, we're basically looking at history and we are it, it's a very methodical and detective like approach. I'm trying to learn everything. You know, when you read my intro, it, it is true that I was trained by the United States Army on how to investigate counterintelligence matters. I, I keep FM60, uh, the field manual for investigations, on my desk. So we're very much treating this like a legitimate um, uh, detective investigation. And we're looking for what what you just asked, Richard. It's the right question. What, 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 what Did they have the means? Uh, did they have the opportunity? And then what on earth could the motive have been? Uh, and, and that's what we're trying to chronicle. They, they clearly had the means. John has found, has discovered it. He's reverse engineered. Uh, they did it. Uh, they had the means to alter history. Now, what we we have to develop, Are they? did they alter the narrative, the story of these buildings, or is there more to the construction of the buildings? That, that's we, We've got to develop that. We have our own ideas. Um, but they, they had the opportunity. And John, I, one of the things you point out, one of your videos, if you go look at what all the companies were popping up in all these towns, they're all publishing companies and photo companies. It's like the weirdest, the, the weirdest industry that, that shows up early. In, and in and auction companies, uh, yeah. auctioneers yeah. Of, of land and real estate at, at this very early time period. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think, what what we're doing is is nothing that um, anyone who's interested in in ancient history wouldn't do with the pyramids or with mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, the the ruins of of Yonaguni underwater or or just any of these really clearly old structures. What we're doing is bringing the timeline back and back and asking those same questions: Is it possible? I think everyone can agree that the mainstream idea of the pyramids and how they built them. Uh, is pretty ridiculous as far as the the things you know that have been taught in in school but it's the same thing when you look at all these buildings from the 1800s they really are out of place overly sized um and unnecessary you know hence why they tear them down because they're you know oftentimes in in history they they tell us that they were too drafty and they you know, were too big and the doors were too big and they were hard to maintain. So they tear them down and it doesn't make sense why they would have, why any people would attempt to, to, you know, build something that big. Even another they, classic they, example would be the singer uh, tower in New York city, which I think for, for about a year was the tallest building in the world. Was yeah. it what? 60, 60 floors. It's just pencil thin building. Um, I don't know how Beautiful long, I don't know how long it took to build, but they suddenly decided to tear it down in the sixties and their excuse was, well, there's not enough office space or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a perfect example. And let, let me give you, oh. let me give you this. So like Richard, you wanted some specific examples. Yeah. Here, here's some, here's another one. Um, and this one came out, was discovered in 2012, but no one did anything with it. Uh, you, you know the lost colony of Roanoke in off North Carolina. We, we, yes, in North Carolina. Yeah. Um, and famously, John White left, came back three years later, and then uh, they were all gone. And his uh, daughter and their, his granddaughter were missing, and they searched for him. And, and he made a map when he was looking, and this became relevant because this is 1857, uh, which uh, ties back to the history of San Francisco that we can get to. But we were just looking for maps and stuff, and in 2012, they scanned the map because there's a patch on it. Uh, kind of up, uh, up, uh, up a river where at a fork in the river, and and underneath the patch was a star fort. Well, well, what's a star fort doing on? I mean, th this is the lost colony of Roanoke. These are people in the most inhospitable, you know, country in the world, and they all die. Yeah, you, I think you said eighteen fifty-seven. It's fifteen eighty-seven. Um, yeah, the sorry. Colony. Yeah, I have I have the, my little dyslexia, which of course makes all this. Yeah, fifteen eighty seven. Sorry, that's okay. Good. For, thank you. What is for this, correcting? Me. What yeah. is a star fort? That is exactly the question that we ask. It's like, well, why? Well, first off, what is it? And then secondly, why would they hide it? Well, a, a star fort. Well, actually, John, why you you're much better explaining this than I am. Do you want to give the, the yeah, high yeah. level overview of a star fort? That that's that's a great segue into into star fort. 
Um, everybody's seen a star fort, but probably not realized they were looking at one. The Statue of Liberty is sitting on a star fort. The pedestal, the massive oversized star-shaped pedestal, which is essentially a building, which is a fort, is a star fort. And they've just stuck the statue. And actually, everything under the statue is, is very impressive. It fits the same bill of what we're talking about. There's no reason that this massive fortification should be built out on an island in such an early time period. Now you have three other forts, star-shaped forts, right around the Statue of Liberty on Governor's Island. And once somebody points out these star-shaped fortresses to you in America, it changes everything. Because that is certainly something that we were never uh, really taught about or, or had any explanation to how those could have been built. In Florida, you have a Fort Jefferson I, I forget the year of Fort Jefferson, very, very early time period, 17 million bricks on an island, and, and it has a star shape. And what we find is these American star fortifications that are that are beyond anything. They are some of the most massive uh, of buildings. I mean, forget about the ones that we're talking about, you know, in, the, in New York City and, and things like that in Chicago. I mean, these things are coastal fortifications, and it absolutely makes no sense. So what we've found, and there's thousands of these forts all over the world. I mean, thousands. And and there's websites now, and it's kind of something that developed within my research and within the community that does this kind of research. There's a group of people now doing this research and and we all come together we all share and there are so many of these similarities that it begs to ask could this be something grander than just uh national you know if we find these same star-shaped geometric beauty and and precision with these star fortifications david weren't you telling me 14 feet thick walls yeah, I mean, I've, I've been to the Fort Morgan in Florida because I was curious. These things. So here's 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 the story. So here's the story on star forts. That so, oh yeah, good it, point. So the, good point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the story is, um, uh, people figured out that cannons were bad, so they figured out if they built walls uh, that uh, they could be below, the cannonballs might not hit them. Uh, so they started building, and that, that's the theory. And then in the U.S. after the War of eighteen twelve, which we maintain our sovereignty but we kind of got our butts kicked a little bit we realized that our our coastal fortifications weren't that good so through a long story they came up with this thing called the third system so this is gonna be the third system of fortifications and it is what became all of these uh star forts is maybe in, 25 of them. in america though the third fort is just in, america, in america in america otherwise Sorry. in the rest of yes. the world they're called bastion forts typically right thank you yeah yeah so so they link but they're built with this so it's the most it's the most difficult building you could ever imagine to build. Uh, it uses this, this uh, a masonry technique called Flemish bonding, which is just this wildly complicated structure. The walls are 7 to 14 feet thick, and they're supposed to be these amazing uh, military uh, str strategic positions. Um, what we found is that every single star fort fell. It, it, almost immediately when it was attacked during the Civil War. None of them held. Uh, they were all built using 200 something this is part of that pattern right so in san francisco uh fort point which is a star fort we're told was built with 200 converted uh gold miners uh fort morgan in florida that i went to and visited we're told was built with 200 leased slaves so uh and we've done all this reverse engineering for fort morgan it we're, we're told is uses uh 30 million cubic uh, yards of, of masonry brick not 30 million brick but 30 million yards of brick so the question is okay uh, 200 leased slaves over six years in this island in Mobile Bay, Alabama. How, how, how would, how would they build it? And you go look at it and we have pictures of all this, but it's like a Roman bath. It is, it's just the most beautiful building you could imagine. Um, and it makes no sense. The narrative makes no sense. And everywhere we look at star forts, everything I just told you about the third system is, is, uh, accurate. And every, everyone failed 
they're all over-engineered and absolute complete military failures. And the 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 materials are um, are nearly impossible to have acquired. And the labor force that built them um, is an unskilled labor force that somehow managed to pr uh, produce the best masonry in the world. So in other words, they so, weren't, if I'm reading you correctly or hearing you correctly, these uh, fortifications weren't actually built as forts. They had some other purpose They because they're militarily, well, you say they were, they were a failure. Um, I jumped for you. There's something else, but there it also points to a, a global civilization that Absolutely. built these well, over the world you're 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 a, you're a smart man and you're jumping to the back of the book um <laughs> that i think i think that's what we i think that's where this leads what we, but we're being we truly are being methodical so we started with that we started with the simplest thing we could think of which is where did the name for san francisco come from uh and all, even that completely falls apart in the narrative but pretty soon you wind up with star forts and then pretty soon you wind up with this masonry technique this flemish uh, bond and then pretty soon you look at all of the other buildings that were built in this same style at the same time which of course would have competed for the same resources and laborers and i think the conclusion is going to be something like where richard where you just ended up which is it sure does seem to point to exactly the same stuff we see being built all over the world. Some of that architecture is, is revered. Um, and we're told the stuff here in the U.S. was disposable or, you know, it was built for it was built for the war, but then they didn't use it or it fell or, you know, all that stuff. So that's that is the uh, that is the picture that is coming out of all of this work. Absolutely. And so tearing down the um, the Singer Tower, destroying that uh, Chicago federal building. Uh, these temporary structures at the um, the Chicago World Fair in 1893, which I think was to commemorate the 400th anniversary of Columbus discovering America, they were they were done away with what to to bury the tracks to to throw us off the trail that these uh, don't. Uh, poten to figure out. Potentially, that that's one option, or just to just for someone to sell real estates for example just to a lot of these weren't needed they're not they they weren't needed then really and and we we see a pattern of repurposement so all these buildings in this time period for a hundred years up until present day are going to get shuffled around when you start looking at the history so this building is going to be a, a courthouse and then it's going to get converted to maybe a high school and and maybe a church and and they don't make sense sometimes they look like castles overly built and eventually torn down because really it's not exactly what somebody wants uh, i let mean me, let me give an example that oh that that star fort that we said we found on the on the on the 1587 i'll say it right this time john white map uh, they no, the, the University of North Carolina got interested in that site in 2007. They wound up uh, scanning the map in uh, 2012 because that's how academia works. Uh, by 2009, uh, they had flash produced a golf course on that spot and completely destroyed it before if, before that so fort was discovered. Great point for bringing that up. Yeah. So a golf course is more important than a historic site. Um, especially with the masonry, the, the the Flemish technique, and so somebody thought so. Somebody thought golfing was more important, and and golf courses are a repeated theme. In fact, we see that over and over. In order to, yeah. I mean, so, but in order to, to, and they got that. Sorry, in order to obliterate no, saying, the, uh, the 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 star fort to 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 erase it. it it's a frustrating. It, it is you know we we we're developing. We we'll propose our thoughts on on what the motive might be but yeah we're still we're still just identifying this and the scope of this is ridiculous and it's it's scary because like i said with this particular example in north carolina they they got in front of the the researchers by like a year and a half and commissioned the golf course i mean think think of this, this is the, it's the, it's one of the first east coast maps the roanoke mystery is one of the biggest mysteries we have in the country all we do is talk about it. it's even taught in schools and then they discover this magic patch that for 300 years, no one bothered to look at, by the way. Okay, I guess I'll buy that. Then as soon as it becomes mainstream, just, you know, a year ahead of time, they blew the place up and it's gone. 
And, and we see that pattern everywhere. We see it in San Francisco. We see, it, we see it everywhere we look. And one of the challenges that John and I are having as we write this book is there's too much information. We can't, if we just show everything, it just, you just get overwhelmed. Uh, th there was a video he did within the past, I don't know, year or two where you, he had a book and he was going over the one-year wonders and he must have done like 30 or 40 of them, John. And they were all like, one year, built in one year, destroyed 17 years later, you know, destroyed five, five years later. Just, it's just the volume of it is insane. We'll take another time out. David Edward and John Levy stay with us. We're talking about um, historical mysteries and um, how these uh, investigations are being uh, conducted using artificial intelligence. This will be the subject of a brand new book called Evidence of the Old World, perhaps volume one. We'll come back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. We're back with David Edward and John Levy, and uh, the YouTube channel is at John Levy Channel on YouTube, where, uh, is it uh, is it weekly, uh, John, that you uh, explore these mysteries? Yeah, every week, uh, about a 20-minute episode. And over, uh, or approaching 300,000 subscribers, and um, what are we looking at, a, a, an archive of about, what, 300, 400 videos? Yeah, about 300 videos now. There's that much material out there uh, that, that can justify 300 plus videos. It's overwhelming, actually. There's no end to... I'm learning every day. Every day. My And history is really fascinating when you begin going down this rabbit hole because most of these architectural wonders nobody's ever seen before. When we're talking about some of the um, these beautiful buildings, let's let's say, for example, the Chicago World's Fair, um, was wasn't someone keeping a diary um, when these structures were going up? Don't we have kind of a a step by step journal or diary? That's you're holding up the book there, David. What is holding it? up the book? This is for the 1851 uh, Philadelphia e exhibition. But yes, they the meticulous diary and and these things. This is one of the creepiest books that I've ever read. This is the 1851 Philadelphia one. There is one for the Chicago one and all the others. I don't know, you, you won't be able to see. It. I know the people listening can't see it, but it, it's like the densest text I've ever wow. seen, and it reads like uh, a, a, an instruction manual because uh, they capture absolutely everything, every exhibit. I'm trying to find something with a uh, all the technology that was on display. I know it's hard for you to see it, but it's all meticulously diagrammed in here. Everything from the steam engine to baby incubators to um, how to grow corn to what a school desk should look like, uh, you name it. And it's and 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 the you know I, i'm trying to stay away from the, the concluding anything but if i stumbled on uh, a, an ancient inca city that no one had ever heard of that uh political forces were going to tear down then i had three years uh what would i do i would make a book like this and i would document the heck out of it so someone is documenting the heck out of all of these world fairs um and and the legacy of them is not the how long are they usually up, John? Three months, six months, something like that. It's like a ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, period. you figure you have winter, you know, so you don't even have a, a good full year. Yeah, it, it's 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 they're, they're up for a very short period of time, but the amount of technology documentation that comes out of them is staggering. Um. So, are there any buildings from the Chicago World's Fair remaining, or were they yes. all leveled? Yes, yes, and there are, and that's what's really interesting is that that kind of um, takes away from the idea that these buildings were built as temporary buildings. They are just as beautiful and permanent as anything we'd see in the nation's capital. That the, the same um, the same columns that seem to be made of uh, one piece of polished marble. So there is there is a lot that remains, and um, St. Louis had a similar World's Fair, and there's there's a lot for us to look at. There there's still a lot of examples of this architectural style, 
And when you read the history for not just the World's Fair, but all of these buildings in history, what you get is a good explanation to who the architect was and maybe where the funding came from. And that's pretty much it. You don't get the details of where where were the bricks coming? How were they shipped? Um, there are so many questions that that need answered that aren't there, that just don't exist. The, these stories are, are paper thin in the end. Right. And again, if you ran the, the algorithm the, using the artificial intelligence, it just wouldn't add up. It just it it's doesn't not add up. feasible. Well, it doesn't. And we have lots of information to, uh, to feed the thing. In fact, we got the balance sheets for every World's Fair from 1793 to 1971. Um, and we're feeding that into this thing. And what you discover is, you know, we're told it was a viable business model. It, well, it's not. The first 100 years, these things lost tons of money. So, and, and you know, going back to the San Francisco one, or even the Chicago one, they're surrounded by fires. So typically, um, either before or after or both, there'll be a fire. And so, and I, I just, because San Francisco's in my head, you know, that had several fires. The, these cities, we're told, uh, including the World's Fairs, were, were rebuilt four, five, six times um, over the course of 50 years, 80 years. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. And as a person who has done construction, every building that has ever existed, including the, the Great Pyramid of Giza, is a temporary building. It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone at some point. So it's just, it's a silly thing to have to argue against. Um, the other thing that John and I talk about is just the foundation work. Let, let's say you're building a 1 million square foot temporary building. Well, it still can't fall down and kill anybody during the fair. So the foundation takes years to put in. And they were told the entire million square foot thing, including the foundation, was done in two and a half years. It's just it's, it's impossible. And what we're doing, and we're really going for it because we're, we're just going to blow the whole thing up. And we're going to show that it's impossible. Uh what that means, I don't know. We've got, I don't know what it means. You know, we're, we're going to need other people to read this and 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 comment. We're going to have ideas, but what it, I don't know what it, it means. Our history is fake in the, in North America. Our history is completely fake, and we're, we're proving it, and we'll have it proven. And and, the book and, comes and, that, out and that all these buildings were already here. I mean, if if, uh, if it's that's the rub. Okay, if it's logistically impossible to do that in that time period, then the building was already there. And then when we look at old photographs, the oldest in every photograph that, that's part of this research is, is looking at every story, every photograph, every angle. And the the roads themselves are, they're, they're mud, they're mud roads. I mean, they don't even have roads. So even if you could get a pallet uh, of bricks with a team of horses on a wagon, you don't have the road to even support that weight so before you even build anything you need to have a greater and heavy equipment come out and lay everything out and what we see is from day one washington dc i'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the crazy complex grid well that comes first it's not like the buildings and then you put in the the the, the first thing you do is survey everything and and grade the roads with heavy machinery i i don't think any of that's possible without lasers and modern uh, machinery and heavy equipment. So there is the rub. Yeah. These buildings were 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 there before the formation of the United States. It's a, well, yeah. And what we see in the pictures is it's all presented backwards. So instead of seeing the foundation and then the 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 crappy buildings and the okay buildings and the nice buildings, instead we see these glorious European buildings. And the, the construction photos, uh, when there are any, the buildings seem to be built from the top down very consistently. In, in almost all of them, all of the ornate stuff that you would do, the finishing work that you would put on the top shows up before, you know, the foundation is poured or and there's no roads. You know, it's just it's it's it, it's baffling. It's just completely out of it's wonky. And what we're trying to do is defrag it. Um, Amazing. So any um what's the eta on the publication of evidence of the old world uh we're shooting for uh september 15th uh and our fingers are crossed amazing amazing well 
Um, we didn't get e we didn't even get to the uh, and I don't know if this is going to be the subject of the first book or whether this will come later. But the this whole legend of the Tartarian uh, uh, Empire or civilization and how this all sort of feeds into that. If you know, if was it the Tartarian civilization responsible uh, for the star forts and all of these amazing uh, buildings? I, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I personally don't think that they're responsible. They're just one little part of the puzzle. The The Tartarian thing, I think, has been maybe portrayed as that, maybe misportrayed in that regards. And yet that is just one little, one little part of this research that we don't see these maps, the hundreds of maps that show a, a people uh, a nation of Tartaria or Tartary in that region. And it's very interesting. It, it, it rings, when I first discovered it, 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 it seemed to ring a bell. Like I know that name, but I, you know, I don't know exactly where from, but no, I, I think it's unfair to say that they're responsible for everything that we see. It's, it's not, that wouldn't be right because they're just one little region. And we see this evidence throughout the world. And I guess yeah, just to close out, Richard, the other thing uh, when it comes to that, we you know, there, there obviously there's lots of maps that show um, a lot of uh, civilization in what's now, uh, you know, Russia and, and northern uh, Asia and stuff. Those same maps show North America populated with cities, mm -hmm. um, and and this is dating back, you know, with this we're back into the 1500s, and not only do they show cities, they show very lo European looking cities with uh, defensive walls, and many of the cities also have antenna and odd things on the top of the buildings and 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 again and these are the first maps ever made made of the world and, and what's fun is some of these maps a uh, hundred or 150 years before like san francisco was discovered on the california coast where san francisco is they they have the word san francisco uh, uh, mm -hmm. yeah it, 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 so it's like okay something something's up uh and uh matter of fact yeah, like i said the word san francisco is on a lot of maps we're told it was found in 1769 and then named in 1775, but we have maps going back to the 1500s that show San Francisco on the California coast. Uh, so it all it all falls apart. It, it, it's the, just the most gentlest of inquiry, and the namings don't work, the cities don't work, the technology doesn't work. And Tartari, I think, is part of it in that it seems to have suffered the same fate. Uh, but we're not, yeah, we're not ready yet to say that the North American component. Matter of fact, some of the maps say things like these people camped in the fields in the in the in the, in the in, what, what was that, John? I sent you in in the like in the means of the Tartary or like the Tartary do, but doesn't mean they're they're Tartars. And we see those in North America and in Canada, in your your neck of the woods, a lot of this uh, went on. So uh, it's very interesting, and we're gonna we're gonna expose it all. Can of worms, can of worms. <laughs> Uh, evidence of the old world, hopefully coming September the 15th. Uh, Amazon? Uh, Amazon, we're going wide with this one. So uh, if you can buy a book, this thing will be in there. David Edward and uh, John Levy, check out his YouTube channel at John Levy Channel. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having us, Richard. Always a pleasure. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.